0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Maps. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to get Onyx Maps on your phone, you need to get Onyx Maps on your phone and I'm going to tell you why. Number one. I am the kind of guy who likes to know where I'm at at all times, and I like to do a lot of running and gunning. So there's times where access is very important for me, knowing where I was at, knowing how to get to a specific location, especially in the dark of morning or night, getting in and getting out. And the best part for me is that I have GPS on my phone, and Onyx allows you to leave basically breadcrumbs. Uh, and leave a trail or your access routes on your phone. Save those access routes and then use your GPS going in and out of your tree stand locations every single day. And it's awesome because you won't get lost in the dark. And I use that so much, that little portion in itself, so much throughout the season that uh, it's probably the most useful function of that app. Now, you can also leave waypoints like where your trail cameras are at where your tree stands are at, where you see scrapes and rubs or marking trailheads or campsites. This is the perfect app for a do-it-yourself hunter. I mean really for all hunters because it allows you to journal your properties that you hunt. Right. And uh, the more information you have, the more successful you will be on a yearly basis because you keep gathering data and gathering data and gathering data. And soon you'll see trends in that data. And those trends will lead you to hunting more efficiently and becoming more successful, in my opinion. So go to Onyx or wherever you download your apps, pick up Onyx, and you can use the discount code NATION20. N-A-T-I-O-N 20, and save 20% off for first-time users. Onyx Maps. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics and today we got a crazy episode and when I say crazy I kind of mean short because the story is roughly short. So this is a mix of a BS session hunter profile podcast mixed with a success story at the back end of the episode because the guy shows up to hunt. Uh, his rut vacation right on a farm in northern missouri and he has a meeting at 9 a.m in the morning so he walks in he doesn't know what to expect buck comes in and let's just say he is 15 minutes late to his meeting so uh, a really fun episode i like episodes like this where uh, the guys are getting it done right off the bat now i have never had an a hunt Or a season where I walk into the woods, I kill, and then I'm I'm done. Or a rut vacation where I walk into the woods and I kill on hunt number one. I've never had that before. So um, I don't know if I would like it because this year I I, I did the grind and I love the grind. And in previous years, you know, one or two days and I've tagged out, I've I've done that. But I've never had a, you know, a walk-off homer type of of deal. And uh, I would... Oh, I guess I wouldn't mind it. I know my wife wouldn't mind it, but that's what today's episode is about. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to talk a little bit about Wasp broadheads. So, I know you guys have heard me say that the Boss 4-Blade is one of my favorite heads uh, that that Wasp offers, and it's true. But this year, I don't know why, but I said to myself, I want to use a mechanical again halfway through the rut and i put a jackhammer on my uh you know on my arrow and my buck this year was at 32 yards slightly quartering towards me hit uh lung backside liver front side lung backside liver and my buck was dead in 20 yards right just really really good blood trail pass through I have a heavy arrow. So it's a combination of all these things that really makes a broadhead perform very well. But I just love the company and the people that work there. And I find myself leaning towards companies that not only make good products like Wasp, but have great people working for them, like one of their engineers, Fred Doherty. Uh, one of my favorite uh, times of year is when I, I call up Fred and we have a good conversation. It's almost like pre-hunt, you know, the pre-season conversation. So what are you doing this year? Where are you going? What trips you taking? You got any good deer you're going to be chasing? And uh, I just, I find myself loving to work with companies like that. And not only are their products American made, but they have really good people, answering the phones, and making the products, and designing the products, Uh, so that is why I love Wasp, so not only do we have the great company, the great people, now we have a great product to top it all off, and if you want to find out more information about Wasp broadheads, and their fixed blades, and their mechanical blades, uh, broadheads, you need to go to wasparchery.com, and uh, you won't be disappointed if you have a Wasp on the end of your arrow, so We also have a discount. Let me take a look and see what that is right here. It is Wasp9Fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. And you're going to receive 20% off of your purchase, wasparchery.com. Now, let's get into today's podcast. That is a hunter profile BS session, hunter uh, whatever, hunter podcast, whatever, uh, success story right with Jeremy Nichols, S- Jeremy Nicholson of Missouri. All right on the phone with me today Mr. Jeremy Nicholson how you doing man?
1: I'm doing great how are you doing today?
0: Hey man I can't complain uh, you must be pretty happy. I, I sent uh, you know I send uh, a message out to everybody saying hey uh, why don't you send me some Uh, some pictures i want to see how everybody's success has been throughout the season and uh you send me a a picture of an absolute brute i love when deer look like that Mm. that just look like they're almost on steroids (laughs) their their bodies are so buff
1: yeah 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 it was a pretty uh it was a pretty special morning and um pretty special year up there um at the farm that we hunt up there so it was uh definitely one to remember and be able to look at him on the wall for for, uh, the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Jeremy, why don't you, uh, start by letting everybody know where you live and what do you do for a living?
1: Yeah, of course. So I'm, I live just outside of Springfield, Missouri. I'm just born and raised on a, on a Jersey farm, um, just down here. And, and I, uh, and for job wise, I I'm over the Western part of Missouri for a, a trade school. Um, they're called Universal Technical Institute. So, what I do is I go around the high schools and auto classes, collision classes, diesel programs, and I speak to students about our programs. And whenever we get some that are interested, we I sit down and do interviews with them and their families to see if they're, you know, a good fit. So, that's what I do for a living.
0: And that goes into, and then that gets them into the trade school.
1: Yeah, correct. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, depending on what school they go to, or we have we have. 13 different campuses. So, um, you know, we have an auto program, we've got a diesel program, motorcycle, we have Marine. So, um, it's, you know, really geared towards the, you know, students that want to be technicians in dealerships. That's our, you know, that's our bread and butter.
0: Right. Okay. So quick question about this. Uh, have you seen an uptick in people interested in trade jobs over the years, as opposed to going to school like college traditionally?
1: Yes, we have. Um, you know, the trend, the trend when I was, grad I graduated in 03, the trend was, um, you know, you got to go to, you go to high school, um, you graduate high school, you go to college, and um, you figure out what you want to do after college, you know, basically. Yeah. And um, today, that's turned into a pretty, pretty, um, you know, it's turned into a, you know, a deal where today, there's a lot of people graduating colleges, and there's not necessarily a job out there for them. So it's been a, it's been a lot. uh, We've been very busy. Um, The trade schools, it's kind of getting into the counselor's heads that, you know, there's other options for, you know, for students other than just going to a four-year university, you know? So it's been, it's been really good. Um, You know, you just got to find the right fit for the student and, and go from there.
0: Right. So how many years is one of your programs? I'm sure it differs depending on what they're Mm -hmm. going into.
1: Yeah, of course. So like um, for, for Western Missouri, for my territory, Our auto and diesel program are very popular. Um, A diesel program is 11 months. And that student student does a diesel program. Um, They will um, get done in 11 months. And then we actually have manufacturer specific options with like Peterbilt and Cummins and um, Freightliner. And students can actually go into those programs and we'll do the training for let's say Freightliner. And then we place them in those dealerships and they already have the training. Oh wow,
0: wow! And
1: so, probably
0: yeah. half to, half if not way less than college debt coming out of that,
1: yeah, for sure it's uh it definitely is um you know we're not the cheapest school in in as a community college, but we're definitely gonna be cheaper than a four four year route um you know when I got my bachelor's, it took me five and a half'cause yeah. Um, I sucked at college algebra, you know,
0: so, so, uh, I'll, I'll I'll make that sentence shorter. I just sucked at college (laughs) when I I went, (laughs) I, I was a weekend guy, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Me too. So, so yeah, it's, it's good. It's a good option for, 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 um, you know, people who want to get out and get their training, um, you know, get through an intense training, uh, graduate and get placed in the industry. I mean, these kids are, 19 20 years old and they're working in dealerships Yeah, so that's a pretty good deal
0: that's uh yeah that's an amazing deal i'll tell you the the more i read into it the more i kind of educate myself on what the world needs you know like doctors and nurses mm-hmm. and, and uh you know trade type of uh trade type work is probably what i'll be suggesting to my kids when you know of course that you know, in, in 15 years, things could change when they start graduating college or high school and whatnot. But I feel, I really feel Mm -hmm. like I didn't benefit from college really. Um, I don't know if I'm going to suggest that to my kids, you know, if they want to do it fine, but if not, there's definitely Mm -hmm. other options out there. So yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Today, today, the actual stat is that today, 48% of college graduates actually work in a career that they didn't study for yeah
0: yeah that's uh that's that's, ridiculous that's pretty that's pretty bad yeah absolutely well let's talk let's talk about deer hunting man shall we
1: yeah that sounds good
0: all right so you're from Missouri what talk to me a little bit about uh the area of Missouri that you spend a majority of your time in
1: so the majority of of my time, I'm in Southwest Missouri, um, around the Springfield area. We've got we got a family farm here, um, and then we have a you know a couple other um, you know places that we can hunt. And you know we um, you know it's you know through ten probably ten or fifteen years ago, it's grown to where there's some more cropland, um, But you know a lot of there's a lot of acorns. Um, you know there's you know some stuff like that. We're right on the edge of like the Ozark Mountains, so gotcha. to speak. So you know, you've got you've got ridges, but you also have some cropland, um, and there's some good deer around here in Southwest Missouri. You know, um, and we, you know, we run about we meaning uh, my two brothers and my dad. We kind of we kind of go together, do everything together throughout the year, and we run all around 20 cameras and have around 1,500 acres to uh, that we're fortunate enough to be able to chase these whitetails.
0: Awesome. And that's on your, on your Southern Missouri pieces, right? Because you also have a farm on the North end of Missouri too, right?
1: Yeah, correct. So we spend the majority of our time down in Southwest Missouri, but then we go for four to six days up in, up in Northwest Missouri uh, where we have a place that we're fortunate enough to, to hunt. And, you know, it's not a lease. We don't pay any money for it. It's just a family friend that lets us hunt. And, and uh, we've been doing that for nine years. And we've, that's, it's probably where we've learned the most about hunting. You know, when you can leave family and, um, you know, kiss the wife and kids by and then go just completely focus on deer hunting, you know, and really getting some tree stand therapy in, yeah. you know, it's, you learn a
0: lot. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the difference between the, the Southern piece and the Northern piece?
1: Um, the difference, I mean, soil is one of the differences, so um, you know, it's more rock, it's rockier down here in Southwest Missouri up North. I mean, we're 50 miles from Iowa, so it's not, it's not really diff- much different than Southwest I- Iowa yeah. as far as the ter- terrain goes, but, you know, deer are a little different, but, um, you know, they're, the deer are bigger. They're the bodies, the bodies are bigger on the deer up Northwest Missouri, but, um, you know, as far as terrain wise, there's just more cropland. There's deeper ravines and deeper ditches, uh, up in Northwest Missouri than there is around here.
0: Gotcha. So uh, automatically for some, for some reason, uh, you say Southwest Missouri, I just, I I think big tracks of timber.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't really, it's not really big tracks. So like where, where we hunt, like if I were to go you know, Dan, if I were to go 45 minutes south of here and, and a little east, it would be all timber, like gotcha. huge tracks of timber. Like that's like the Branson area. Right. Um, we're just, I'm just west of Springfield. Um, you, you literally go 30, 30 miles west of where I'm at and you're getting into like the Eastern Kansas style of terrain. Okay. Does that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
1: Um, so we're right there kind of on, on, I mean, we're not talking big tracks. I mean, you don't see too many tracks of even 100 acre timbers around here or 50 acre timbers right now I know as far There's as some, but not
0: very many. Northern Missouri was concerned a handful of years ago there was uh, an EHD outbreak that was really bad did you guys suffer through any of that
1: yeah we, we believe we we did um, they're trying to think of the years I mean there was uh, around the 2011 2012 the the, the first couple of years we ran cameras we were getting several mature deer on, on picture, on, on camera. Um, you know, my brother killed a really nice, you know, really mature deer, um, uh, was in the one sixties as an eight. And it was, um, you know, just a lot of mature deer out there. And then after that, we went for three or four years after 11 and 12, we went for a couple of years and maybe saw one mature deer. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't go in like, survey the land and really really you know walk through it all but we didn't technically find any but there something was different that's for sure
0: right right okay so let's talk a little bit about um, uh, the the buck that you ended up harvesting this year was that on the northern piece or the southern piece that was on the northern piece. Yeah, northern, northern piece. Okay, so let's talk about this farm. Break it down even further and talk about the specific farm that this buck was living on. What was the uh, what was the amount of acreage on this farm or the area that you had access to?
1: The the area we have access to is um, split by by uh, by a creek and you know the east sides. Um, around 150 acres and it's we don't we don't even hunt that it's just all open huge ag fields and then the west side is going to be it's probably around 150 200 acres as well and most of that is actually wooded it's a, it's a big it's a big wood lot um, you know, it's a big timber track and the the property we can hunt on owns half of it so we only ha- we can only hunt half of it and there's a basically a dead-end road runs right through the middle of the te- of the track
0: gotcha okay so um, is that so, your, is that your access route then is that dead-end road
1: yeah yeah that's our access route i mean when i say a dead-end road i mean it's like i mean it's like a path i mean it's not there's not people there's not any houses down there right. there's there's I mean there's the only thing that's going down that road is the combines um you know and then maybe a maybe a neighbor um that a neighboring property owner or something like that but the way we access it kind of is, is, is a little disadvantage we, we found because we're accessing it from the high side. I mean, we're coming in from oh, the West. Yeah. So it really, it, it's really caused us to be, we have to, we have to be pretty tricky um, with access. And I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, everything we're doing is perfect with the access, but it's, uh you know, we, we don't really have much of a choice unless we want to park on the opposite end um, on the East end and then try to, walked across the creek and that'd be a, that'd be a pretty good walk as well, but yeah.
0: So is that East side that you mentioned that's all ag, is that like the main destination food source for these deer?
1: Not, I mean, not necessarily because right on the West side of the river, um, you know, is probably another 60 acre, 50, 60 acre crop field as well. So, uh where I killed where I killed this deer, I was on the north side of that big crop field, just in a basically in a funnel area, pinch point. And so they the the destination food source could really be on really be on both sides, is what I would call the destination.
0: Gotcha. All right. So there's multiple ag fields around that block of timber.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, the bedding's gonna be northwest north and west of of these of the destination food sources. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a bit about the,
0: you know, you've mentioned that half of it's ag, right? The half of the big block of timber you have access to. Um, There's a crick that basically splits the property. How are the Mm -hmm. deer making their way through this property? Are there specific terrain features that you're focusing on? Um, Ridges? How are they, how are they moving?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, they're, there's a there's there's two i mean the 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 big timber track is split what i is divided from a a north section and a south section the north section we can't hunt the south section we can okay and the river's running the river's east of there and it's running northwest and it goes it, it ends up running north of the entire big timber track does that make sense yep okay so um i mean majority of the deer bed there and then there's another um, basically we call it the triangle jungle and it's probably, uh, probably 15 acres of just the nastiest stuff you even imaginable. I love and that we stuff. can't hunt on that either. Yeah, we can't. I mean, that's not our property. So, but there's deer in there. You, you see them go in there. I mean, they're just they're You know, the, the game cam picture I sent you, that deer was coming out of there. Okay. Okay. He, he had just crossed the Creek and he was coming out of there. So we know deer use that um you know and that is actually that is actually east of the river and um you know so we're we're basically our uh where we hunt is southwest of that triangle jungle
0: Gotcha. so okay
1: so you're there
0: is a main divider but it doesn't seem like the deer it bothers the deer at all there it's easily getting in and out of there they cross mm-hmm. that creek or that river all the time
1: yeah for sure, yeah. I mean if you were if I were to pick three bet three of the bedding areas it'd be there'd be a northeast bedding, you know, a northwest bedding, and then a basically a southwest bedding and there and there's basically it, it forms a triangle and you know they work they work in and around there.
0: Gotcha. All right. So, so um on these so you've identified over the years three main bedding areas um on that uh on that property is What's your hunting strategy throughout the year? I mean, do you key on those three bedding or do you key on Mm -hmm. terrain features or field edges or what's your strategy there?
1: Yeah, well, our strategy when we first started was just to just to sit on the field edges, you know, and um, and we found out real quick when we were hunting, you know, in the rut. We're like, we have got to get in the timber like, you know, that's where it's going to happen. And that's where the big deer are. I mean, we would go for a weekend and see like, I mean, one year I remember seeing like 20 different bucks, but they're all like two-year-olds, you know, year-old, year and a half-olds. And we, I was just watching a field edge, so we we've went from you know hunting field edges to diving in to these pinch points. um, These we we know we've kind of we figured out where the deer what how the deer like to use this timber, and we just we just access it from these from these ravines and these ditches. And then we plop up in a stand and get right, get tight to the to the bedding area and sit there and wait.
0: Gotcha. So you mentioned so, uh, that accessing this property from the high side is a bit of a disadvantage. How do your access routes? How do you put yourself back into the advantage with your access routes?
1: So one one thing we do, um, well, actually, where I killed this deer was was on the northern part of the property and that was in between kind of in between the northeast bedding and the northwest bedding yep. okay um and that was that was actually right in a pinch point where there was like where the timber really narrows down and that's where i was that's where i was hunting um the way i get to that stand is just basically hope and pray that nothing's in the hayfield whenever <laughs> i walk in there early i got that's a couple of is. little spots so, too man i got um, a couple of those spots yeah too. but when we when we dive into the timber okay um we have a we we park we park right next to this big oak tree and we walk we walk uh you know one stand location we walk in and we've cut out you can get to this this like um i don't know if it's a ditch head whatever you call the you know where the where the ditch kind of starts um in the timber yep um we've we've cut it we've cut a you know, a little lane out to it. You can get to it. You only have to walk into the timber like 30 yards, 40 yards, and then it just dives down. And I mean, you can, you know, we brought a chainsaw in there and cleaned it all out. You can just walk right down it and then plop up in a stand. That's the best way we, we can get to the stands. Um, one of them is on the very back end of the property. On our way to where we park, we drop like my brother off right there where he needs to go in from the road. And he just, just walks in from that way depending on the wind
0: yeah yeah so it sounds like over the you know over the the nine years that you guys have been hunting on this piece of property you've really been able to refine the the access and the stand locations to put yourself in the best position
1: yeah exactly i mean it's been you know like i said it's a learning process and you know we still don't have it perfect but um you know we it's definitely helped us. Um, we've, you know, we've, we've had, we've had a lot more success as of late, you know, doing that. So, um, especially when you're coming in in the morning, you know, and you're, uh, that's, that's the most difficult time because we found that, you know, up in Northern Missouri, these hayfields, you know, they've got clover in them. Um, you know, they like to spend a lot of time in, in the evenings in those hay fields just bedding down, just hanging out. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know the way the way i accessed this one this stand that where i where i harv- harvested this buck was i'm basically walking right through the um you know r- almost right on the edge of this hayfield and just hoping that nothing is out there and hoping it's dark enough that they can't see me
0: yeah that's cool so uh, yeah let's talk about the strategy like are you guys able to plant any food plots on this farm? Uh, do, do you run trail cameras throughout the year? Uh, how do you know what you're getting into every year as far as the deer are concerned? Yes.
1: Yeah, so we we don't do any food plots. We'd like to. Um, we just we just haven't. Um, we get up there. Um, we're able to get up there in August every year. We try to do the first first week of August, first or second weekend of August, and we put we put cameras out and we put like, we we put trophy rocks out and we, we, we get camp, we get, um, you know, we get pictures of deer, you know, and then we go check them, try to check them in September, you know, middle of September, late September. And then at late September, we change them all over to scrapes. And then we come up in November and we check what we've got basically. So this year, this year was a lot, was, was different. We, we normally put four cameras out. This year we put six. And, um, you know, I hear, I hear a lot of people just talking about putting them on trails. And I, I think that's a, huge, that's a huge advantage. I mean, you don't get near as many deer pictures, but we put them on trails. And it's amazing when, I, when we took the data from this uh, from August and September, and we, we looked at all the pictures we had on the trophy rocks and then all the pictures we had just on the trails. We obviously had more, more pictures of deer on the on the trophy rocks, but the the intel that we got on the trails were way better than the trophy rock, right? right. And there was there was a lot more. I mean, there was a lot more. There was a lot better deer. Okay, I mean, we, we had we had quality deer on those trails. You know, and we could actually see kind of where this deer was coming from. Um, we had pictures of the deer I, I shot. Um, we had pictures of the deer my brother shot. He shot a toad. Um, like three days later, um, from, from us. So anyway, it was a, it was a, this probably the best year as far as having mature deer that we've had up there. And as far as trail cam intel going into it, this is probably the best year out of, out of nine.
0: Wow. That's awesome. It's always a, and you know, mm-hmm. despite what your, uh, what your trail cameras do for you or how you use that information, it's own it's always good knowing what's running around, uh, you know, because there's a lot of yeah. guys who go in, in blind, maybe shoot the first deer that walks by, and and secretly, what they don't know is there's a monster lurking. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, we were we had we had good pictures of deer this year, especially on the scrapes, and yeah, it definitely definitely helps your uh, mental game going into an all day set for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. All right, so
0: when do you guys typically start to hunt this farm?
1: Yeah. So typically we're going up there the first weekend in November, which the last couple years has been like, you know, the second through the fifth or sixth or what, you know, somewhere around there. We're normally going home about the sixth or the seventh. That's just the way it ends up working out. um, Because then the next weekend is opening day of rifle season for Missouri. And we – we don't rifle hunt up there. We just never have. And they, you know, the landowners say it's just like world war three going on. So we don't, we just have never been up there. And so anyway, we, we've always done that. Well, this year it happened to fall a little bit, you know, the rifle season started later. So we were able to go up, you know, we started November, everybody got up there the evening of November 6th and then we, we hunted till the 10th. That's what, that was the plan you know, we were super excited. That's the latest we've ever been up there. So, and uh, I think that had a, that had something to do with, with how, how much luck we had. Right. So not necessarily November 1st,
0: but soon after that, you guys are typically up there starting to, to uh, work the farm.
1: For sure. For sure. There were a few years we went up like the third weekend of October and it was, I mean, it was dead. I took my son up there one weekend for youth season, which is like, you know it was around the last weekend of October um and it was it was dead so i don't know you now bad weather or what but we just hit it wrong right so as far as the
0: trail camera intel that you guys get off this farm every year uh what are your guys' goals i mean do you guys have a conversation with each other and say okay we're only shooting four year olds or three year olds or or we're only shooting you know 140s and higher or what's the conversation that you guys have every year about the quality of deer that you want to harvest?
1: Yeah, so our, I mean, our conversations are mature deer. Uh, meaning when I say mature, we, we would like, we would like for it to be a four-year-old or older um, gotcha. is what we like. We don't really look, I mean, obviously the inches are awesome, but we're, some years we go up there and we've got, we've we've had a, a mature deer or two every year up there, but some years they may be like 125. Yeah. You know, and he may just be a tank, you know? Yeah. So we're, we're just going up there to shoot the, you know, shoot the, you know, the, the most mature deer we have on picture on camera. So, Um, so that's what we're looking at. And, you know, I mean, the biggest deer we've ever killed up there is, was the one, uh, Shane killed and my brother and he, I mean, we never had a picture of him. He came from the South and he was not around here and he was, he was a giant, you know?
0: Gotcha. Okay. So how, you know, with that trail camera intel how many shooters, you know, obviously you got some bonus bucks that could come through during the rut, but before the, mm-hmm. the rut even kicks off, how many
1: quote unquote shooters call your farm home? I would say like this year was a good year and we had three, three. that would, that I would say call it home. Gotcha. Um, some years we have, may have one yeah, you know, or two, Yeah, you know, back before the HD thing. I mean, the, the, we had, we would have three or four. I mean, one year we had three that were in the sixties or over Yeah, and they were mature deer. So anyway, this, this was a, you know, this is a really good year for us.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So question you got you and your brothers, that's three people and your dad go up during bow season, right? So four people. Yeah. Four people on this farm. How do you guys divvy up the ground? Because I hunt a, (laughs) I hunt a farm, or a combination of farms that is roughly 1,100 acres combined, you know, multiple different farms, but they all kind of are in the same area. And I share that farm with, uh, you know, multiple other hunters. And sometimes it can seem crowded, even though I have access to that much ground. So how do you guys divvy it up?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, we just, I mean, honestly, we, we just have different, a lot of different stand locations. And I mean, we have, I mean for whatever reason when we first started you know hunting up here we just kind of kind of walked it and i like this area i like this area i like this area and we just kind of all this is you know we have shane stan we have evan stan we have dad stan we have my stand we have um and then we just we just we can we can alternate them or you know we have some you know i've got a saddle that i can go do my own thing if i want if the wind's not right um i can sometimes we partner up um and then actually three years ago we talked to another um Landowner, and he actually let us hunt a piece that's about a mile west of where we hunt, and it's an eighty-acre CRP field, and it is—it's really good too. So we can hunt that, and that's completely different deer. That's what's awesome about it.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's good to so, have. It's definitely good to have options. I, I was just kind of curious if you mm-hmm. guys would have brother like wrestling matches to see who goes
1: to
0: <laughs> <laughs> go to the no, best. No, we're day pretty.
1: In. We're pretty good. there may be some tongue in cheek type stuff going on, but uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's normally pretty good. I mean, uh, I think last year, I mean, last year um, sometimes we just film each other, you know, we'll just go together. If the wind's bad, you know, we'll bring a climber in with us and put a climber over the top or, you know, and hunt together. I mean, that's, you know, we're, we just want to go up there and honestly go up there and um, remove work away from the equation and kids and, and no offense to the wives, but get away from the wife a little bit and, yeah. and just enjoy it. It's, it's different up there. It's just quieter. Uh, you don't hear as many vehicles. You don't hear horns. You don't hear as much as, as you do down here in southwest Missouri.
0: Gotcha. All right, so let's talk about this buck that, uh, that you harvested this year when did you first know about him is this a returning customer from multiple years of knowledge and trail camera intel about him or is this a a first timer
1: no it's uh he he was a first timer i mean we had pictures of him starting in when i checked the cameras in september we had this deer uh he was coming from the north i had him on uh we had him on a trail and he he came through from the north heading south three different three different nights around between like nine and 10 30, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, he's definitely betting. He's probably betting in the Northeast section bedding area in that triangle jungle. Okay. Um, you know, that's what, that's what I thought. So uh, then we had some other, some other deer, but um, that's whenever I first saw him. And then I moved a camera a little bit deeper in there on a, uh, on a heavy crossing coming right out of that jungle. Cause there was a crossing coming out of the jungle coming across the the creek and it wide right there so it made a hard south trail and then it made a uh and then it was just going straight onto the west so i wanted to put a camera right there on that why and when we went up there in november and checked that trail camera i mean there was there was deer all over that crossing gotcha. and he was he was one of them we got one of the coolest we got some of the coolest pictures he we have a picture of that deer that I killed that he had came up right out of the, right out of the Creek, come up off the bank. He stopped right in front of the camera and he shook like a dog. We got like three or four pictures of it. It's pretty cool. See the water coming off of him. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's cool. awesome.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So you, you kind of identified, you, you identified that he was a shooter and then you're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, we, we got him pegged, you know, on, was there a specific wind that he was crossing or. Or was he crossing this every day, random winds?
1: No, no, it was, I mean, it, I wouldn't say we had him pegged. I mean, we knew he was in the area. Um, it wasn't, the, it wasn't, I didn't check exactly wind, if it was the same wind or anything like that. But I, if if we were guessing, he was, he was staying north in the, you know, north of our, of where we could hunt for the majority of the time. And then he was coming on us, you know, on occasion, basically. And that's, you know, that's all we really had of him.
0: Yeah. Okay. So out of all the deer, where, like, as far as the hit
1: list on the farm, where did he rank? He was, uh, he was number number one. Um, the other, the other deer, the other deer, um, were right, right around his caliber, just different types. Like he, his, his, um, his rack and just the way he looked was, was just, I mean, just kind of got well. Just got me fired up, you know. I mean, he was—he's just a cool deer. And, um, but we just, you know, that was on the north, the northern section. And we've gotten pictures in the past of deer that are really good deer, and we've never seen him when we go up there for that weekend. So it's not like we were like, "Holy cow, we're gonna get a, we're gonna get an opportunity at him." Right. You know, I mean, that's we—we we didn't just assume that we were gonna get get to see him because we've had a lot of good deer up there in nine years, and we've never seen him. Yeah. You know they're not even there. So yeah. so it's not like we were just fired up like I'm going to I'm going to see this deer um this weekend. But we were just going to go up there and see what happens. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. You you just you check your trail
0: cameras. You know he's somewhere around, but you don't necessarily know if he's there
1: right now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. Cool. You know, so, and if I were to hunt this deer, like the the heart the heart of this deer's territory is not where I can hunt okay. Right? right. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. So like his bedding areas are, are North of, our, of where we can hunt. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, it
0: does. All right.
1: So, so I, it's not like I can just go diving into his, 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 home territory and, you know, and, and I'm, I mean, where this camera is, is in, is on the North, North part of where we can hunt and the bedding areas are North of there. Okay. So it's almost
0: like so, you're you're hunting a travel corridor. How I guess how far from the tree stand that you shot him out of was the bedding area.
1: Um, well, I was right in between the. I would say that with the northeast bedding area and the northwest, I was right in between both. Uh, I would say three hundred yards. Three hundred yards. Okay, so mm-hmm. you're, and I was south of them.
0: So you're smack dab in the middle of two bedding areas yeah okay all right so talk to me about this particular tree stand location and the access that you used Mm -hmm. to get there
1: uh yeah so um the tree stand that i was at that morning was it's over a there's a ridge there's a ridge that runs east and west and um it is it is on a you know the timber is between it's between two timber tracks okay so it gets real narrow um, there where I'm hunting. So it's about, when I say real narrow, I mean like probably 75 yards wide, hundred yards wide. And, you know, like I said, we come in from the high side. So we park, I walk through the hayfield. Right. And, you know, just, just biting my nails. And then I take a, I take a, you know, a hard North turn. I walk about 150 yards and I, and the hayfield comes to a point right on the ridge. And that's where the timber starts. Okay. Okay. So I'm so I, I walk, I'm walking north. I hit the ridge. The ridge is running east and west. It kind of tees right there. Does that make sense? Yep. And I go right down this ridge about I don't know, ten yards, and I plop up in a stand so I can I'm above. I can see behind me in the hayfield where I walked in, and then all below me there's a ridge running east and west. But right where my stand is, the ridge doglegs back and makes a sharp turn and goes straight south.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: Okay? And I'm right there on that point, and the, there's a floodplain to the east of me, and it is, we call it the bowl, because that's what it looks like. Literally, this ridge runs all the way around it to the creek, and there's a probably a 15-acre bowl right there um, that leads back into that bedding area I was talking about, and then there's then there's, I can see all below me and the, you know, in this finger of timber there, that's running, you know, to the West, to that bigger, bigger timber track.
0: Okay. So, and yeah, go ahead. That, uh, what, what wind do you prefer to hunt that point with? Because it sounds like when you said dog leg, when that, when that ridge dog legs, now you have way more, uh, wind possibilities to hunt that particular statement. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Really, in the mornings, you know, um, you could have, you could have a, a south wind and it's blowing right up over the top of every everything, you know. But uh, I would prefer a I would prefer just a north wind where it runs, it just runs straight, you know, straight down back back, back to where I walked in from, you know, that's or north maybe a north maybe easterly. But, but really, it's a it's a really good spot wind location, especially in the in the mornings because anything from the anything's coming from the south southwest. I mean, you're, these deer are way below you. I mean, the stand's 25 feet high and you're, well, it's about 20, I'd say it's 20 feet high and you're elevated even on top of that. So you're looking, I mean, you're on the ridge and you're looking down in the bowl. So you're, I mean, you're way over 30 feet. Yeah. Yeah. So how far uh,
0: the deer that are coming through there, what kind of uh, shot offerings are you going to
1: get? So you've got deer that can that can come that can come uh, that'll go up right right by you basically right on your stand um, and go up the, up on the ridge right there on that point. Um, you have deer that a lot of the deer come come in front. There's a there's a there's a um, a dry creek. It's like full of sand, you know, where when it floods, it's a drainage um, and it's out in front of you to the north. So deer use that. They they run east and west there. I mean that's from bedding area to bedding area. And that shot's probably twenty five, thirty yards. Okay, so you got, the, you got plenty the, of access.
0: You get your access is good. They're coming from a multiple, you know, from multiple areas, and they mm-hmm. are, and uh, they offer you. It's offering a ton of shot opportunities.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the other, the other thing I like about it is the reason why I sat there that morning is I didn't have very long to hunt, and it was, it was, I wasn't diving into the timber. And I was, I could see through the through the trees, the tree the leaves have fallen, and I can see through the trees to the north of me, you know, and I can see this. There's probably a 20 acre uh, field um, that normally is in crops, but the flood the flood wasn't, you know, the flood. Uh, they didn't they weren't able to get crops in. Well, I can see any deer that are in that field. Okay. Um, and you know, and that's. So that, uh, you know, that's what I like about it. you can see any deer out in that field. You can, you can see a long ways. It's just a good, good spot to get into. Cool. All
0: right. So how many days have you been hunting uh, until you had the encounter with this buck? Uh,
1: Zero. Are you talking about up there? Yeah. So This was the first
0: day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what were, so was, this was an afternoon hunt or a morning hunt? It was a morning hunt. Okay. Um, so was he the first deer that walked by or, or what did you see when you when you <laughs> got into the stand? Yeah,
1: he was He was the only deer I saw <laughs> all morning.
0: <laughs> I love those. So, I love I mean, these stories. Yeah. I love these stories. Yeah, I just, literally I mean, just recorded a, a podcast where a guy's like, yeah, uh, day one rut vacation, smoked a, a big
1: buck. <laughs> <laughs> How's that make you feel after 13 days? I know, right?
0: I know. But I yeah, tell you what. Yeah. I I personally needed a, a grind session because, like I, I said on some of my other podcasts, yeah. man, uh, I felt like I've got off easy the past three years, the previous three mm-hmm. years. So I, you yeah. know, I love hunting and I love sitting in in the the stand, and I, I know you do too. But uh, f- mm-hmm. okay, so it's a morning hunt,
1: sun's coming up. Yeah.
0: What happens from there?
1: Yeah, well, uh, I'll back up just a little bit more because I get to the stand, you know, and I'm, it's probably an hour before daylight and get to the stand, climb up in it. And we had checked them in August, but we, we removed the seats on all of them until we get there so the squirrels don't chew them up. So I get up there and this particular stand was, it was one of those, I think it was like a bone collector, like Walmart stand. It's pretty big, but it has like the, um, like a, the hammock style seat. Okay. Um, you okay. You follow me. So we had taken that off. All right. Well, I didn't have it with me. My brothers and my dad were coming up, um, that evening and I was already up there for work. So I get up there and I'm like, crap, you gotta be kidding me. I don't have, I don't have a seat. (laughs) So, uh, so I get up there and I'm standing, right. And it, uh, you know, it gets daylight and I'm looking, I'm looking around in that bowl area because um, deer just appear out there it 's pretty they they come on you pretty quiet over there i'm yep. you know i 'm glassing looking looking that way from from the east because they cross the river and come that way, and i 'm looking back to the west, making sure nothing's coming behind me, and then I can start kind of glassing out into that field to the north do you you recall you know there's a probably a twenty acre open field that I can just see through the trees right yep, little bits and pieces or we'll gets light and you know, it's probably around seven, and I see a deer at the very north west corner of that field, and I was like, "That's a good deer." And you just almost tell—he's just a big body deer. And I looked at it, and he was working a scrape in the very corner, and his his rack was in the was in the trees, and he was working the tree, and then he put his head down, and he's, um, you know, he's working that scrape, and I can tell it's a, you know it's a good deer. I can't tell what deer it is or anything like that. And, um, you know, I, mind you, we haven't talked about, I'm supposed to be working this day as well. Okay. I, I have a, a presentation that I go to and I'm supposed to be at, yes. So I have a presentation. I actually wasn't even planning on hunting this, this morning. I was in my hotel room for work the night before, and my presentation is about 20 minutes away at where from I can hunt. I'm thinking, you know, I just want to go out and. I, I was going to do a presentation that day and I was going to meet my brothers and my dad that evening. And then we were going to hunt for four days. Well, I got antsy and I was like, you know, I've got a good wind. I'm going to go in there. Daylight savings time. I can hunt for a couple hours and I can just check it out, you know, I can get out there a little bit. So, so that happens. So I have to be in a interview or in a presentation at nine fifteen. 15. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to hunt till eight 45. Okay. That's what my goal is just an observation sit nothing crazy. Okay. Just to get my feet wet. So I see this deer out there, Northwest corner, you know, 300, this deer's 300 yards away. And I'm like, I'm not a big caller, but I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to call. And I have this, uh, it's like the, I don't know. It's like the, I think it's a mad game calls, like buck, just a buck grunt. It's a real, it's a pretty loud one. Um, I like the sound of it, but I never really grunted a buck in. So you know, I get the I get the grunt call and I do a little do a couple of grunts, pretty loud. And I put the call up, I get my binoculars up, and mind you, he was working a scrape when I when I was grunting. Put the grunt call down, put my binoculars up, and he is when I see him, he's already turned around and he's facing me. And he's staring a hole right into the corner of where I'm at. And we had a he had a stare off with me for a couple of minutes, seemed like. And all of a sudden he just starts walking towards me. You know, he's, he's, he's heading my way. You yeah. know, he's got his, he's got his eyes up his Love head that. and he's walking. Love that. Yeah. And so I'm like, wow, that's, 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 he's coming. And, um, wasn't, wasn't too crazy. didn't really, didn't, I wasn't, wasn't a hundred percent sure he was a shooter. Um, but I, I knew he was a good deer. Okay. Cause I'm looking through the binoculars and looking through brush and trees. I mean, I'm 75 yards into this timber. There's 75 yards of timber between me and the field edge. So he starts walking my way. Well, he gets behind this big bunch of trees that I can't see anything in the field. I don't see him for probably four or five minutes. I'm glassing, glassing, can't find him, can't find him. So I didn't want him to lose interest, so I grunted at him again, and immediately I picked him up again. Right after it's like he was standing there, is what I think of He's just standing there looking. Yeah. And I immediately grunted and I immediately saw him. So I'm looking at him. He gets he gets in where I can see him really good now. He's probably 150, 150 yards from me, and he's walking straight to me. And I've got a little opening there. I've got, you know, an opening there where he can he can walk straight straight into the timber. And I was just thinking in my head the whole time he's he's probably going to just stop at the timber edge and wait to see something, you know, to identify what what the noise was. When he hit that timber edge, he didn't even stop. He didn't break stride. Nothing. I mean, he just walked right in to, right in there with us i mean he's 75 yards when he made that little cross from the field edge to the timber yeah my body completely changed <laughs> i'm not i'm not lying like i'm like this, this is happening right. you know, i better get my crap together and i better make this work because this is going to happen and i checked him i checked him once again with my binoculars just to make sure and whenever i looked at him through the binoculars you know i just wanted to double check and i looked and all i could just see was i just remember seeing mass you know, yeah. mass and he was a 10 point. So I'm like a oh, definite shooter. You know, I put, put my binoculars down and he's walking straight at me. Okay. He's straight North of me, walking at me. He gets to about 50 yards. And I think he's just going to walk straight in. Remember I'm on i uh, I'm on the point of this Ridge at dog legs back to the South. Yep. And I'm right there and he's walking straight at this point. And um, all of a sudden about 40 yards, he decides, I don't know if there was a When Larry didn't want to hop over or what, but he starts going back to the Southwest. And I'm like, why is he doing that? He comes back. So I range an area that was going to be about a 35, 40 yard shot. So I'm getting ready. I'm like, am I going to have to make this happen and getting ready and he goes around whatever he was going around and he just got, got back on track and just started walking right up that, uh, that draw that I was talking about, that flood, that flood Creek, you know, that dry Creek that that's right in front of me. He gets on that, and he starts walking straight down it. So I'm going to have about a 25-yard shot. Well, as soon as he gets around this tree, he decides to get out of that and walk. So he's straight north of me, and he's walking. he's walking to the east. And he just, as soon as he gets around this tree, I draw back, and I thought I was going to shoot him. Well, he comes, he just turns tight on that tree and comes out of that little, that little uh, creek bed. And he's walking, basically quartering two, but he's walking, he's, he's like 15 yards. Okay. Yeah. And he's like closing quickly. And what, what I, when I look back on it, he is assuming that the deer, when I was grunting, he's assuming that deer is up on top of the ridge behind me. Okay. Um, that's, I guarantee that's what's happening because I had another deer a couple of years ago do the same thing. Uh, he wasn't a shooter, but they, they just think that the deer that the sound they're hearing is behind me, um, up on top of the hayfield. Right. So he's just walking away. And he gets to 15 yards and he's inside 15. I'm fully drawn and I'm, I'm murped at him, you know, tried to be really quiet. But as soon as I did that, I mean, he just like all four legs, just, just froze you know, up, jolted, just slammed into the ground. Right. And he, he was like, he was slight quartering too. When he, but when he did that, like he went, he went quartering two just a little more. And I mean, I, I could still squeeze it in, So I, you know, I was there, I I let the shot go and I shot to the right just a little bit and I hit top shoulder. Okay. Okay. And he goes barreling off out of there and goes right in front of me, runs to the east and stops about 60, 70 yards out there in that bowl area. And I'm glassing him and he's looking back into the, towards the field to the north and he's looking and I can't see anything because I don't have penetration through the he's look at the where he's looking. I shot him on the, you know, on the, on his right side and he's looking, I can only see the left side, but I know I hit him like at a steep angle, you know, and I hit him, you know, top of the shoulder and just a little back on the shoulder and he's standing there, standing there and he's acting like he's, he's flipping his tail a little bit, but he's acting like he's not even hit and I know he's hit and he's acting like he's not even hit. He's standing there. I bet he stands there for a minute or so and he went to take a step with his left foot or his left hoof and he like stumbled a little bit. I mean, it was almost like a, you know, like a drunk guy when he takes right. a step, you know, he right. stumbled. And I'm like, Oh, that's you know, the that's, end. yeah, that's something there. And he, he actually took off a running after that. He took off a running, took off a running, ran about 75 more yards, stopped and bedded down. And I could barely see his head in my binoculars. Um, and he's got his head up and he had his head up for about for and when he had his head up for about a minute, he took a couple like big. You could tell he couldn't. You know, he was struggling. He couldn't breathe. He, he was having trouble breathing, and he took a big like raised his nose up, took a big deep breath, or tried to. You know, he was trying to get air, um, and then laid his head down. And I didn't. I watched his. I watched his head for twenty minutes. And he didn't move. Okay. So. So at that when, point, what did when you think you?
0: What did you think you hit? Um. As far as body-wise
1: or what kind of deer or what? No, it, no, it, like
0: what, like where you hit him. Cause you said high shoulder, a little bit back, steep mm-hmm. angle. If I was to guess, I'd say front side lung. Uh, if you didn't hit liver, you definitely got diaphragm. Yeah.
1: I, yeah, I, I thought, I thought, I, I mean, looking at the arrow, cause the arrow, I mean, it was sticking out. It was probably, I mean, looking at it, I thought I definitely, I mean, with the steep angle I hit, I thought I got double lung. I I thought I had, I had to have both long because I mean, it, it went in him enough, but the steep, as steep the angle was, I mean, I was thinking I definitely got one lung I mean, I could have got two um, and you know, there's a lot of arteries right behind that shoulder, you know, as well. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't really know. I just knew that I was, I, unfortunately I hit him a little, a little forward than I wanted to, to be perfect. I mean, obviously we don't want to hit him. And see what I mean? I, I hit him. When I said back, I meant like I hit him on the top shoulder, you know, the front shoulder, the top front shoulder, but just a hair, the hair on the back side of the front shoulder, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And what, was there so, an exit route? I mean, was there a pass through? Or... No. No, oh. it was, it was, it was like, I only, I got seven, eight inches of penetration.
0: Okay. I gotcha.
1: I mean, I hit him, I hit him like, you know, I hit him pretty square on the top of his shoulder, but it was a steep angle. And, you know, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. wasn't so he,
0: perfect. His head lays down, you watch him for 20 minutes, head's not coming back up. Um, Did you, knowing now, okay, I just killed a deer and I got a presentation in X amount of hours or minutes or whatever. So yeah, what kind of was going through your mind at that point?
1: Well, I called, I called uh, one of my brothers and talked to him about it and watched him and I mean, he didn't move, so. I, uh, you know, I got down, uh, you know, checked the, checked the blood. There was, there was blood. There was, there was quite a bit of blood actually, um, and I followed it up. And I, I just, I got to where I could glass him a little bit because I wanted to get where I could glass his like stomach, you know, and see if I could see him breathing or anything. And I mean, there, there was nothing. So I walked up there and got on him, and he was, you know, he was, I mean, he had blood just pouring out of his front shoulder. Yeah. you know out, out of the top of it so there was had to be some kind of artery in there that i hit but anyway um i got there and i'm you know having just enjoying it you know enjoying the moment i mean it was the biggest deer of, of my life probably it's not the oldest deer but definitely the biggest inch wise deer that i've ever i've ever been able to been able I don't to know, shoot man so, this,
0: this deer's body is impressive he looks like a pit bull i mean I, if i yeah. if i'm looking at this buck i'm saying you know if if he's not
1: four. He's five. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I mean, we had a, I killed a nine year old, um, at our, on our family farm. You know, he was like 106 inches on his way down one year, but, uh, that was a pretty cool experience. But, um, uh, but anyway, this was by far, you know, super awesome. I mean, he's a, this guy, this deer is a, a tank and I'm thinking, I'm looking at my watch and it's eight o'clock and I'm like, Oh my, what <laughs> you know? what am I going to do? So, um, thought about calling and canceling on them, but I didn't want to do that to I mean, there's, you know, 75, 80 kids that I'm going to be speaking with. So, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go through the process make sure I, you know, make sure I clean him, um, and just see how far I get on the drag out, you know, and see where I'm at here. You know, it's, it's, it was cool out that morning. I can come back around three and do, and do the rest of it if I need to. So I go get the truck. I drive down, drive through the hayfield, get down right next to where, basically where the stand is. And, walk down there start cleaning him and get him cleaned up and I start to drag okay and this drag was rough so um, I'm I mean I drag him probably 150 200 yards to the to the ridge Get him and the ridge is what's killing me so the ridge was it's pretty steep and getting him up that ridge was was rough with by myself I can I can assure you on that and, and getting basically him in the truck is a what, different story
0: 40 minutes to do this all in because you had to get in a car and go drive and get blood off your hands and put on decent clothes and
1: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So we, I mean, we, it was like a, like, um, you know, I've done like I do, I work out every once in a while, but uh, you know, I've done some CrossFit workouts, you know, you do things for, for time, you know, it's like, like you have, you have 20 minutes to do this workout and all that. I felt like, I felt like I was doing a CrossFit workout because I had a certain amount of time I had to get this deer drug out (laughs) So, um, you know, I drug him out, got him in my truck, and headed to, you know, the property owner's barn, and I was going to hang him there. So, you know, everything's just, I mean, it was literally just, everything worked out perfect. I mean, it uh, got him hung, changed into khakis and a button-up, and washed my hands a little bit, and I was there at about 15 minutes late, and, you know, they were <laughs> wanting to hear the story, so everything was good. Hey, just 15 minutes late, that's so, all right. Yeah, no kidding, Yeah yeah but it was uh it was a very memorable experience that's for sure and was oh, able to uh, was able to um you know my my dad and my brothers were able to come up that evening and um and then they actually started their started their hunt the next day so it was awesome
0: man that's awesome absolutely gorgeous deer i mean the picture of this animal uh is very impressive from the and he's a nine pointer is he a nine or a ten?
1: He's a, t- yeah, he's a main 10. Um, okay. and then he's got split, he's got a split brow. So yeah, that one picture, I don't think you can, um, you probably can't see the, the G4 on the right, right side, but, uh, yeah, he had a little, he had small G4 big, on the right side. So big
0: body deer, beautiful. Uh, his yep. cape is what's impressive to me. It looks, looks like a beautiful mm-hmm. cape.
1: Yeah, it was a beautiful cape. I'm excited to, he's already at the, at the taxidermist and he's, I'm excited to see what he looks like. So he's yeah. going to be, he's going to be a pretty one yeah Absolutely. he was a beautiful
0: deer so you know just for the listeners did you happen to score him at all or estimate a score on him yes yeah. Just...
1: yeah we scored him yeah we scored him that evening he scored a 149 and One forty nine. so nice he yeah he was a beautiful deer and and uh we you know and then my brother started started the started their hunt the next day and my dad and they had an enjoyable one and my my brother killed a i mean he he was a six, he had to be six or seven. I'll, will shoot you a picture of him. He was, he had the biggest head on him I've ever, I've ever seen. Yeah. On a
0: deer. What was the, what he ended up shooting? Oh yeah. Uh, what's that? What was the I, 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 eight ten? What was he, what did he shoot? Uh,
1: he ended up, it was a mainframe 10. He scored like one forty-one, I believe. Gotcha. But he was just the body on this deer Beast. was, was ridiculous. Um, yeah. And that deer was not leaving that dough bedding area for like days. We've seen had multiple. We saw him for you know, Shane and they had been hunting him, they hunted him for like two straight days, and he was they'd see bits and pieces of him. But he was like living in this doe bedding area,
0: yeah. Wow, well, so, he's smart, you know. He's like, Hey, yeah, he man, I'm gonna make the ladies come to me, <laughs> exactly. So, no kidding. Well, hey, man, no kidding, uh, so. awesome story, beautiful animal. Uh, congrats on the hunt, and um. Man, good luck the rest of the season down there in Missouri and good luck on all your
1: future seasons. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
0: Big shout out to Jeremy for taking time out of his day to hop on the podcast and chit chat with us. Huge shout out to all of you, all of you, all of you, all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to me talking to a microphone, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I don't know why this popped into my head, but it makes my heart full so thank you other than that huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast we have vortex optics prime bows onyx and ozonix and lacrosse and wasp archery and ripcord and lone wolf please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because if it wasn't for them making this, I couldn't be telling you, you know, sharing this podcast with you. So when you support those companies, you tell them I sent you and they support me again and it comes full circle. And uh, that's where I really have to thank you guys. But other than that, man, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you download this podcast. Share it with your friends. Go to Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to not only the Nine Finger Chronicles, but the sportsman's nation as well or follow along and like there and uh man shotgun season in iowa is coming real fast probably have some content about that coming up here pretty soon other than that if you're going to be in a tree do yourself a favor and wear your damn safety harness have a good rest of the week